Hello, welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Branson. Today, I'm going to focus on something that is important to everyone toiling to build roads and bridges, whether at MDOT, local road agencies, or private contractors and labor organizations. Those are the people whose members are on the front lines on these projects every day, the people doing the hard work and putting themselves in harm's way. Right now, there's some legislation being discussed to offer more protections to workers and enhance workers' own safety. Specifically today, we're discussing Michigan House Bill 5750, which would allow for automated speed enforcement in some work zones. As you probably know, if you've listened before or you're paying attention to the news, we have a record amount of work going on on Michigan roads. It's also coincided with the pandemic where we've seen spikes in speeding like no one has seen in Michigan in decades and people ignoring the need to slow down in work zones, leading to more crashes, more injuries, and more deaths. And it's really disturbing. So today, I'm pleased first to be talking with John Osika of the Operating Engineers, who penned a very thoughtful op-ed in Bridge Magazine a few weeks back that laid out why they are supporting these measures. Later, I'll speak with Lindsey Renner, a strong advocate for work zone safety at MDOT, who has been following this legislation. So first, John, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. So talk first about your your experience and your long career with the operating engineers and what brought you to this point and, and what informs your passion on this issue. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a 37-year member with the operating engineers. Uh, I have been seven years uh, here at the training center. I spent 30 years out in the field, uh, 25 of it as a foreman and a superintendent, all on the roads and bridges. Um, you know, in, in, in my career starting out in, in the 80s, things were much simpler and much safer. Think about it. Uh, the speed limit when I started was 55 miles an hour on the freeway. And now look at what it is. I mean, it's it's still 60 in, in, in the work zones, you know. So um, there was no cell phones. Like I said, light, it, it was much simpler and safer. And now it's more congested and more complicated with, with all the... Um, uh, distractions out there, so that that that's why I have a, a passion for what's being done right now, because in my thirty years out in the field, I've seen some things, things that I don't even want to talk about. But um, you know, and 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 I feel sometimes we're going in the wrong direction. You know, uh, it's so so much more congested out there, and like I said, with the with with the distractions, that doesn't help. Speed limits have speeded up, sped up. So um, it's it's uh, we just have to do something about it because we want everybody to go home um, every night. So we've talked about this a lot and a lot has been written. Nobody's got a, an easy answer here, um, whether it's, you know, distractions like texting or whether it's speeding or any of these things, especially among younger people who think they're invincible. Uh, but in fairness to those generations, it's not just them that you see certainly speeding through work zones. And, and you know, we've tried so many different campaigns that try to humanize these people and say, this could be your brother or sister or, or your neighbor, you know, that's out there working and try to think of it that way. Or this could be your workplace. Imagine you've seen, I'm sure, various PSAs that simulate cars speeding through an office and what it would be like to work, you know, alongside of that. Nothing seems to really be making a dent but one thing the Federal Highway Administration has been studying for a while, and it's, it's being tried in several states, and now we're, we're close to agreement on legislation that would allow for automated enforcement in work zones. 
And that's one of these bills that you mentioned in your op-ed. Could you talk a little bit about whether you think that could make a dent? Well, I, I think anything we can do will make a dent. Um, I, I think uh, with with this with, with these tickets being, you got to hit them where it counts. Uh, just a slap on the wrist isn't doing isn't enough. So if you hit them in their pocketbook, I think you're going to get more attention from them. And if they continue to do it, you know, each time they get pulled over, you know, the the, the fines go higher and higher, and eventually they got to get it. I would think. Um, like I said, you hit them, hit it where it counts, right in their pocketbook. And I think that's one way to um, to get their attention. Yeah, I think that um, OHSP and safety advocates around the country will say that in a certain demographic, the the threat of jail doesn't seem to, or the threat of, of being hurt or hurting somebody else doesn't seem to to scare people. But the threat of a big fine, I mean, you've seen the drunk driving commercials where they've got the young male talking about how much this is going to cost me, that that is the one thing that maybe does get their attention. So with uh, a robust campaign around this, once you start implementing automated enforcement and make everybody aware of what you could be in for, um, I, I do think it could it could help. And I know a lot of people think it could help. And it seems so far uh, there's some evidence that it has made a difference in other states. What do you think about and what do you hear from, you know, your your members and friends and neighbors about the, you know, the invasion of privacy argument about automated enforcement? Well, I, I haven't heard uh, too much negativity on it. Um, I think it's all for the positive. Right. I mean, we're all trying to do the right thing here. We're all trying to uh, keep everybody safe, especially everybody that's in our industry. So as far as far as that part of it, I, I, I haven't heard much feedback as far as being negative about that. Good, good. Well, talk a little bit. I know you probably would just as soon forget some of the things that you witnessed when you were out on the, the road, either either working or supervising work. But you talked about that pit in your stomach when you get that call. Um, you know, what are. What are some of the close calls you've seen over the years? Well, there was there was one episode. Um, we had to set a, a bridge beam across the freeway where the state police would stop traffic for 15 minutes for me to set it. And so and it, and it couldn't be before midnight. So here we are at 1230 at night on a freeway. And it was, uh, it, you know, it was right in the middle of the week, but it, it was on a freeway that's extremely busy all the time. And um, prior to setting the beam, we were lifting the beam up to get it adjusted just right. And we had to set it back down because it, was, it wasn't quite as level as we wanted it to be. And as soon as we set that down, see traffic was still going because we didn't set, shut the freeway down yet. And there was two lanes open. We had to maintain two lanes of traffic in each direction. Well, in the meantime, there was a traffic shift in the same position. And there was a semi that was going through and he didn't do the shift and he pushed the car right into the downrigger of the crane. And that poor lady inside that crane or the poor lady inside that car hit that downrigger. And uh, it, it was it was a sight to be seen. I'm telling you, I was because I, I was right there. I was the first one. And it was just something I, I, that, that I, 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 I don't I, I don't talk about it very much because it's something that's in your head. Right. And uh, she did survive, but she was banged up for a long, long time. And, you know, that's just one of them, you know, and there's 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 others um, with uh, 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 just working between the barrels in the cars. That's always that's always a touchy one for me, too. I have to tell my whole crew, always be alert, always at all times. You know, those those 
those are other ones when um, when when traffic's just going too fast and when you got too many lanes, if one car makes a mistake, you got cars shooting in all directions. It's never it's never a good situation. Well, and you understand, you know, both sides of the issue. Obviously, you drive, you know, you oh, have yeah. to get around, you have to get around, and you know that all the DOTs, the Federal Highway Administration, all the DOTs put this special emphasis on user delay costs and mobility, and 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 people get so angry. I mean, my God, you want to go on our Facebook page any given day and see the vitriol, uh, you know, in the Twitter feeds and other places that people hurl uh, MDOT's way about anything that slows them down. If my 20-minute commute isn't 20 minutes, you know, then there's moral turpitude and somebody should, you know, fry for that. So yeah. you having to weigh that against what you're talking about, against safety and fixing the road safely, and fulfilling people's expectations, you know, about how fast I can get everywhere. It's just, it's a really difficult balance to strike. Um, and and what what do you say to, to people when you talk about this outside, you know, like if you're at a cookout over the weekend and this topic comes up? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's a topic that you're exactly right. Unless you're on the other side of that wall, you don't really understand the, the, the safety of it. You know, people that are driving, don't see our side of it, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that's what I always tell them, you know, unless you're on both sides, but you don't understand it. And me, I've been on both sides and, you know, and I can say probably the safest road project I've ever been on in my 30 years was anytime they could shut the freeway down and have a detour. That's always the safest one. You know, I know it's not, it's not always convenient and it's not always easy and it not, and it not always can be done. But if there's that opportunity, I still believe shutting the freeway down and having a detour is always the safest route. I agree completely. And I got to put in a plug for the governor's rebuilding Michigan program here. Um, you know, whether you support the mechanisms that we have now for funding roads or not, the fact that what we're able to do the last couple of years and will be the next couple of years completely rebuild some of these freeways as they should have been a long time ago. So we're not back out there doing constant maintenance work. You know, the the, the fewer times you have to be out there, the fewer workers there are out there, uh, the better. The, the short-term pain, obviously, and the inconvenience is worth it when you're going to have freeways completely rebuilt as you are. You know, I-96 in Oakland County and large segments of I-275 and large segments of I-69 and large segments of 131 and 196 in West Michigan. Um, yes. All, all of that helps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, for your perspective on this. Uh, you know, really helpful. And it'll be it'll be great to to be there when this bill finally gets through and uh, the governor signs it. Yes. Yes. And thank you, Jeff. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. If you need to get out and stretch your legs, don't forget about the annual Mackinac Bridge Walk. Make your plans to attend the walk on Labor Day and take in some of the best views in the state of Michigan on the Mighty Mac. For more information, go to MackinawBridge.org slash walk. We are back. And as I mentioned, I'm now with Lindsay Renner, who was the work zone manager at MDOT, has done a lot over the years in work zones and trying to make work zones safer for the employees who are out there doing the hard work and also to educate the public about what we need to do. She's transitioning into a new job as constructions operations engineer at MDOT, so she'll still be very involved in all of these things. Lindsay, thank you for taking time to be here. Absolutely. So 
let's talk about this automated enforcement bill, uh, what you think it, it could mean. Uh, everything is incremental. There's no silver bullets. We acknowledge all of that. We know it can't work everywhere, but I think it, it could really make a difference in, in some ways. And that's kind of what we've found in some other states that have been doing this for a while, right? Right. So one of the benefits that this automated work zone enforcement brings to us is that other states have shown that we can count on a reduction of work zone crashes by roughly half. Um, that obviously provides safety to you know the, the individuals that are working in our work zones, but also the motorists as well. Um, we're seeing an average of nearly five miles per hour in reduction in speeds, which also has a tie into the, you know, the severity of the crashes that we see. Um, the nice thing that we're seeing from other states, too, is that when drivers are cited for work zone speeding violations, um, it looks like around 11 percent of those drivers will reoffend. So we don't just get the input at the project level. There seems to be some, um, you know, some evaluation of, of, of future actions as well. So, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that we know from other states. Um, one of the questions that we have when we talk about something like this is, you know, how is this funded? State budgets are not um, able to be extrapolated in a direction that allows for, for payment of something like this. And um, in many instances, most states, this is not a revenue generating uh, machine. So the state does not end up with more dollars with which to make other decisions. Uh, there's no ticketing mechanism that benefits the state. At a, at a minimum, we might be in a situation where we can pay for the actual enforcement of this program, but there is no revenue generated. That's anymore. a really good point. And as you say, that's at a minimum. Uh, anybody who thinks that is is just making excuses, it's a, it's a you know, big brother tinfoil hat thing. Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard those complaints from the skeptics, and that's just... That's not what this is about. So I'm glad you you underscored that. But start, I guess, you know, high level and talk about what this would mean and, you know, what having this this bill and automated enforcement, it's House Bill 5750, by the way, talk about what it would mean. So the current language that's out there that this bill would, that would replace, it requires a law enforcement officer to witness the violation of a traffic law in order for a citation to be issued. So House Bill 5750 amends the Michigan Vehicle Code, and it allows an automated speed enforcement system to be installed and used in a work zone that's on a highway or street under the jurisdiction of MDOT. So um, this basically allows for the citation to be issued based on an image from a system. There would be a photograph taken um, and then sanctions for exceeding the, the posted speed limit by 10 miles an hour or more when workers are present would um, allow a written warning and then all the way up to a maximum of a $300 civil fine for repeat violators. So I talked to John Osika earlier from the operators and one thing we talked about is what kinds of things, what kinds of messages, you know, what kind of campaigns can really make a difference and alter behavior. And when you're talking about drivers in a certain demographic, you know, <laughs> that speed a lot and tend to, uh, you know, be more likely to, to take the risky behaviors because they think that whatever bad is going to happen isn't going to happen to me or I'm not going to cause it harm to somebody else. But what does scare them is a fine, you know, a, a big a big fine hitting them in the wallet. Uh, Correct. So it, do you think that that's what other states have found with this? So I think it definitely, you know, disincentivizes that behavior. Uh, if you're if you're clipping along on I-94 and you go through three or four different work zones, you know, that's an opportunity for three or four cameras to catch you at $300. You, that could be a very expensive quick trip if you can't just decrease your speed limit a couple miles per hour. So 
What's it been like talking and, and working with, you know, industry representatives on this and this kind of legislation and, you know, trying to get to agreement? Yeah, actually, I think that when we when we first sought out to bring this in, we were a little timid to bring it because we thought that maybe we would have a lot more objections. And I think one of the learning lessons for us is that different departments, organizations and labor unions uh, within industry, they all bring different considerations to think about, um, you know, and, and that's actually a really healthy conversation because nobody argues the experiences of the other person. We just we just try to figure out a way that we can move that information uh, you know, forward. And uh, one of the things we realized is that we're actually closer together in our opinions and our priorities than we probably previously would have anticipated. Um, you know, everybody is affected by resource allocation, whether it's not enough money for the project or not enough hands on deck. So how do we move forward to provide more safety with the current levels of resources? And I, I think that's kind of the, the conversation that we had is, OK, we know what we would like to do, but how do we get ourselves there? Um, so I think we've had really healthy conversation and dialogue, uh, really respectful conversation from all of the people in the room. And I think it's been for the benefit of our industry. So we talked about what it would mean at different kinds of construction sites and the fact that it just can't be used everywhere. This is this there's it would be impossible to make this a blanket approach on the hundreds of projects that are active across the state at the same time. Is that mostly about resources and how much it would cost to implement the technology or is there, are there also just some practical reasons why this wouldn't work in every work zone? Right. So the way that the bill is written right now, it could only be used on a highway or a street that's under the jurisdiction of MDOT. So that's where it has to be used. The workers must be present. So, um, you know, you wouldn't want to have this this enforcement system turned on at nighttime when nobody's working. So there has to be, you know, some consideration given as to what type of project activities are going on. Similarly, if you were in a situation where you knew that every day from 11 o'clock until 1230 lunch break in that area affects traffic patterns and slows you down to a crawl, you wouldn't want to issue, you, there would be no reason to issue tickets in that area because there's a pretty good chance nobody's got the, the bandwidth to speed anyways. So we would like to see these used in areas where, you know, workers are adjacent to traffic, especially if there's demonstrated cases of, you know, high speeds in that area. I got an email from... Actually, it was an email to my counterparts at MSP, but I was copied on it by my counterpart at Eagle a couple of weeks ago um, from my friend who drives frequently through the I-96 flex route work in Western Oakland County. Uh, and he is just shocked and appalled at the speeds and the behavior of drivers as they go through there. Uh, that would seem like if we had this in place right now, a prime place to trot it out. Absolutely. And what we have seen is that, you know, you still can speed, but um, it, it makes them speed. It makes the, the average speed less. So, you know, a person who is determined to commit this kind of activity is probably still going to do it. It just gets much more expensive for them. And eventually you would hope that that would curtail the behavior. So more broadly, somebody who's worked with this for a long time and, and has to wrestle with the dilemma of what's imposed on us uh, by policies uh, from the Federal Highway Administration and things that have been implemented by various DOTs around the country over the years in terms of user delay costs. How do you balance that in your own mind and how do you talk about the the need for mobility, the need for convenience? We, we built this incredible system starting with President Eisenhower and Senator Al Gore Sr. back in the 50s agreeing on interstate bills and, you know, establishing our lives, everything we do that we live, work and play around the idea that 
everything that I do that takes me 10 minutes should always take me 10 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes. And I think everybody always says, you know, whatever, whatever their commute is, they fudge it a little bit. But what, how do we, how do we balance that? So I think for us, we're in a tricky position because as a state DOT, we get a lot of our funding from the federal government. And one of the um, promises that we keep is that we will follow federal rules in order to receive that funding. So we have to balance the rules that are given to us by the federal government with the um, the needs that our individual areas have. And obviously traffic patterns up in the, U the UP are different than the ones we have in the metro region. So we count on our, our experts you know, within those regions to make beneficial decisions about the traffic flows and those patterns. And I think that we've done things a certain way for a long time. What my unit is working on doing is kind of fine tuning some of that stuff, having those conversations about areas that we might have the ability to give a little bit of wiggle room and allowing people the engineering judgment to step outside of, of the box that they're in to make a decision that might benefit safety for all, all road users. And I think that's, you know, it's very hard to typify something like that because we are so different in our in our very many regions here. Um, but just kind of allowing the the thought that would that would be for the benefit of the motorists and the workers. And I think that's the very difficult thing is um, anything that you implement into the roadway causes changes to traffic flow patterns. And are they are they good for somebody and bad for somebody else? Uh, that's that's always what we're trying to, to figure out and, and right size. Well, it's even more difficult in a state that, you know, relies so much on tourism, one of our top industries. And in the summertime, the only time that you can really get the work done, especially, you know, north of US 10, um, and you're inviting people from other states and downstate to, to head north. So it's absolutely. A, it's a, it's a when lot to send, deal with. When we have people come up into our state to go visit, you know, Holland and see the flowers, we don't want them thinking that the flowers are the drums, right? <laughs> yeah, well said. Yeah. Jeez. Here I am, a West Michigan person. I should have thought of that. So lastly, we're going to do a couple of these demonstrations, a project um, near Davison on I-69 and another one near Grand Rapids, east of Grand Rapids, the project on I-96 and the Thornapple River, which is only a couple of miles, but has caused, uh, you know, a lot of inconvenience for drivers because of the backups there. It has to be done. The, the road surface is very rough and it's going to be so much better when it's over. But that's where you're going to demonstrate this technology. So talk about that. Yeah, so our hope coming out of these demonstrations is that um, we're hopeful we can conduct a safe deployment of the test equipment. Um, get a lot of people out there who are decision makers, you know, to have the conversations around how it works and the questions that they have. And in turn, hopefully this brings, you know, a tremendous increase in safety to those that work in our work zones, um, to those that drive through our work zones. You know, we with the guest list that we have, we have, you know, folks coming from Secretary of State, MDOT, MSP, uh, Michigan State Police, that is unions and industry. Uh, we're hoping that with that plus the leg legislature that will be in attendance that, you know, any ideas or questions or concerns that we have, we can kind of suss out at the project site and, you know, kind of use the the relationships that we've built to, you know, consider types of things that might be deal breakers and ways that we can work around them. So um, I think that's kind of the goal in this is making sure that we can continue to drive safety in our industry and make it so that everybody can go home at nighttime to their loved ones. Um, and that is the name of the game. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I think uh, you're you're right. It, it's something that will help a lot when we move toward broader implementation. And um, I especially 
like that you talked about, people wanted to make it home tonight. I think we made that our tagline on some of our official documents a few years back, and I still think it's one of my favorites. You know, um, think about think about you wanting to get home tonight. Think about those people that are working wanting to get home tonight too. So thanks as always uh, again for your hard work and your passion for work zone safety, and congratulations again on the promotion. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.